You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. I'm Kate Daly, your guest host from katedalyradio.com, the Kate Daly Show. So glad to be with you today. I hope all is well. This will be a pretty informative hour. And I really do hope that this hour makes you think um, for the coming days. (laughs) I really do. I have a lot to say. And there's so many things that I want to talk about, the things that we don't have confidence in, and maybe some things in the Wayback Machine that maybe we do haven't thought of before. So I'd like to bring those to the forefront, if you don't mind. So obviously we had the Texas uh, mass shooting at the mall in Texas. And I have a lot of questions, of course, but I'm actually not going to go into those today. Um, There's a lot of questions, the tattoos that are in the booking, um, you know, the mugshot of the killer and then not present in the kill shot on the ground, neck tattoos that I don't know how they would just disappear, things like that. There are so many things like that. And honestly, I want to talk about it in a more general way, because this is something we haven't actually, I've never really brought up, I don't think, is the overall plausibility of such an action. And I don't think we've, we've been told over the last, you know, three or four decades about these things, how somebody just wants to go in and shoot up anonymous people they don't know because they're so unhinged, mentally unhinged or uncorked or whatever you want to say. But let's talk about just the overall plausibility. On this show, I shared that there were reports done on, let's say, mass school shootings of anonymous people. And in the 1940s, there were only eight. In the 1950s, there was one. In the 1960s, there was six. In the 1970s, only 13. Those events were all targeted events. They were targeting a teacher. They were targeting a student. Somebody was, they were very, very angry at was going to get the brunt of what they were feeling that day. We'll put it that way, okay? So a completely targeted, never an anonymous mass shooting of people that people don't know. And I ran across this comment out there in internet land, and I thought it was very stunning because it really sums this up beautifully. Okay. So let's just take a step back because I've gone over all kinds of mass shootings. And so this actually really, I think, sums up, let's look at how they're taking place and why. These frequent killings of groups of random innocent people just aren't really possible. They're not possible throughout history. They really don't happen ever. It's very strange. 
people in the United States, if they're actually going to arrive at a point where they're willing to kill a group of people, are many thousand times more likely to kill a group of people that they feel engaged in injustice against them or people they know or care about. That you can understand, that we can see in history. It wasn't until they started the mass gun control taking away of the Second Amendment that we started seeing all these mass shootings. If these random mass killings were legitimate, there would also simultaneously be thousands, a thousand times more killings and bombings of politicians, CEOs, bosses in meetings, malpractice, churches, molestation cases, abuse cases, police departments. You would see such an uptick in that to then have to correlate with the random mass anonymous shooting that you would see the numbers just through the roof right now. Killings of random people in so-called safe places like schools, movie theaters, restaurants and malls, okay, and churches. They are really non-existent in comparison. You would see one of those for every several thousand of ones that are targeted. But we're not seeing that, are we? And every week we seem to have a new one. The odds of that happening are a trillion to one. They would not, in fact, be happening because it's not laid out in history. You can say people are unhinged and, and oh my gosh, they're mental or Trantifa, you know, Little Miss uh, Nashville shooter, Antifa, Trantifa, uh, the trans activist. But you know what? You would see a correlation and we're not seeing it. It's just not there. Think about that. Every single week, an anonymous shooting, a guy goes in for no reason or a Trantifa goes in for no reason and all of a sudden you have this major mass shooting for no apparent reason of anonymous people? It doesn't happen, folks. It never happened in history. And all the reports I've ever done, it's not possible. You would see a correlation. I'll be right back on The Alex Jones Show. I'm Kate Daly from The Kate Daly Show. Welcome back to The Alex Jones Show. I'm Kate Daly, your guest host from katedalyradio.com. The only reason that these events would be possible is if the CIA were staging events to scare people into believing that they're not safe anymore and that police expansion and support of military invasions is needed to help keep them safe. And that's exactly what we're seeing, isn't it? The overall plausibility of any event like this happening in the way that we're told just isn't there. You would have to see patterns in history of this. The only patterns we're seeing is in this fraudulent presidency. I can't even call it a presidency. Fraudulent <laughs> King Fraudalot. You're seeing it weekly because one of the agendas is to take your Second Amendment, your God-given Second Amendment. Crazy, right? Think about that, though. It just wouldn't happen. But I want to take you back to an event because this event is, is very interesting. You know, there's lots of events in history where, um, in recent history, I have to say, where the only reason we don't, you know, or people are shunned from bringing up the obvious questions. And by the way, the questions only arise, it seems to be, in the events where mass shootings of anonymous people take place. Those are the only ones I really have questions about. Isn't that odd? Those are the only ones where the pictures don't add up, the circumstances don't add up, something's wrong. But what's interesting is the card that's played to get you to not talk about that is respect for the victims, okay? But we have trials every day in America about, about going after the truth. 
or a victim. You would always want the truth, wouldn't you? I would think so. But when it comes to anonymous mass shootings, you're not allowed to look for the truth. It's always about, but we have to respect, but we have to, oh, you can't say anything. You can't say anything. Very strange. Those really truly are the only questions I get, right? Or have are in those types of events. And I've done hours and hours on it, pointing out all of the weirdness, all the crazy. So I want to take you back to Waco for a moment because I wonder if we got that right. On the right, necessarily, we kind of come up with this, but Waco and Yes, we know what the feds did and we know the display and we know Janet Reno's involvement. We know all of these things. But do we ever even question Waco? Because when I was talking about CIA staged events, how do you know this isn't one too? Hmm. Let's just take a look at a couple of things that don't add up. Because I think this is very interesting. According to Dick Morris, Janet Reno made a statement and the statement was long after Waco, And she said, if you don't appoint me, I'm going to tell the truth about Waco. But what exactly was that truth? Because I think a lot of people think the truth was that the feds just went in and annihilated this group. That's normally what I would think, right? I'm going to tell the truth about Waco. We set this up, we went in, wanted to make an example out of them, and we did it, okay? But is there more to the story than that? David Koresh's name is actually Vernon Haupt. And he was well-funded. And that's always a big question mark for me because when I see somebody well-funded, I always think that's really, really strange. You see somebody like a Warren Jeffs, that evil little, little piece of action. And Warren Jeffs, the investigation took an awful long time to get to the point where they were actually going to go in and take him down. And he was extremely manipulative, very evil guy, okay? But it took a long time. He was well-funded through his organization, but this wasn't an organization where the money was flowing in. This only had about 70 followers, not exactly the richest people on earth, okay? So this land, this Mount Carmel Center commune piece of land um, was occupied by him and he actually took this land. um, And this was all according to Lieutenant Barber's report um, that uh, he operated this religious cult commune at Mount Carmel Center. And... He adopted the name David Koresh a year before. This wasn't like it was really going on with 70 people. I mean, up until about just a year before, okay? That property um, was owned by a different individual who was kind of a cult guy. And you guys remember the show I did about the farm, right? The farm, the biggest commune in in America's history, well-funded. Man, those people had 100 buses, gas money, food money, could buy land. And what did they blame it on? They blamed it on, oh, well, people had inheritances. Young hippies that are 20 years old suddenly walk into inheritances. How could afford all of that? I don't think so. It never made any sense. And they showcased it on the media from the moment it began. And I talked about this on the show, right? Okay, so you have this religious cult with about 20 people. And then David Koresh, Vernon Howell, has enough money to travel around and recruit members around the world from different places like Hawaii. He goes and he has the funds to travel and recruit. He couldn't come up with more people in the United States than 20. My gosh, even the farm had like 300 immediately. He goes around and he says, you know, he has to travel to recruit these members and these members come in. If half the group of the 70 people that were there were all from outside the United States, 
Why wasn't immigration called in? Strange thing. Immigration wasn't even involved. They didn't even care. Wouldn't you want to see people's passport? Wouldn't you want to know who these people are? One would think. Anyway, that's just a side note. They get this property and the taxes, the back taxes were owed since 1968. That's a whole lot of taxes, but the state never took the property. Why is that? Very strange. So he goes in in a gun battle where charges, a gun battle with various people to get this land and no charges ever came, the acquittal of charges, I should say, came about because of this. Nobody ever fried for any kind of gun battle or actually went to trial and actually ended up with any convictions. And it was a gun battle. That's kind of interesting. He was able to take over this property and have it for his so-called followers. The feds followed him around, all right, to gun shows, knew that he was getting all of these shipments in called mag bags, right? And they knew exactly what were in these shipments. Um, shipments from Idaho, shipments from, from gun places, okay? Ammunition, all kinds of things. So they absolutely knew, but he wasn't dangerous enough to arrest, only dangerous enough to follow and start making a case over this. The whistleblower was a Branch Davidian. He didn't call the local police. He called the BATF, Bureau of Alcohol and Firearms. Why is that? What a strange phone call to make. You want to alert about somebody with only 70 followers, not really doing much, but you want to call the BATF? Strange. And you also want to get the BATF of Little Rock, Arkansas involved. Remember, Clinton was over Waco. Strange. Really strange. Why them? Then there was the outside report by an anonymous person outside the state to Joyce Sparks, Texas Department of Human Services in Waco, received a complaint, okay, that David Koresh was abusing young kids. But when they went in, they didn't exactly do the report on this. They weren't even curious about it. And David Koresh just went down and showed him the bunker of all the guns included in the report. But they didn't really interview anyone about the sexual abuse claims. That's kind of strange. In Normalville, you would actually do that. You would actually make that part of your report. Something in there would be very interesting to read about whether or not you assess that that is happening or not happening. But the report ended up really being about the firearms, teaching kids about firearms, right? Because they said that they were trained to use these firearms in a bus down in the bunker below uh, the uh, Mount Carmel commune. But that was kind of strange. And if you really did feel like you needed to have this report, why wouldn't you go a little farther and ask about these things? That was strange too. You would, in fact, take somebody down that you thought was dangerous, right? Before it ever got to the point where you would land on their property with all cameras visible for an event in front of the whole world. Certainly with the shipments, if you really thought somebody was dangerous and abusing people, you would take them down far before. But this event was a big event. Was it a staged event? I don't know. Was it a staged event to then criminalize militias and start on the road to developing homeland security? That is a really interesting question, isn't it? Because that's what came later. In fact, there were articles written about this very thing. And they said the modern day militia movement owes its existence to Waco. No, modern day militia movements are not exactly modern day. They've been around for a long time, just more on the down low. But they wanted this to come out and they wanted to do a lot of press on modern day militia movements for a reason, right? We have the right to militia movements in this country. 
We have the right, and I shouldn't even say movement, just malicious. They wanted to demonize it. Interesting. I'll be back. I have a little more on this and some other questions I have too. And I'll be right back on the Alex Jones Show. I'm Kate Daly, your guest host from Kate Daly Radio. What would your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality, feeling better than you have in years, and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns, blood sugar levels, and had a sense of well-being overall? There's something that is changing thousands of people's lives, and you could be one of them. It's called Heart and Body Extract. Sharon Harris, co-creator of Heart and Body Extract, talks about the positive effects of Heart and Body Extract. What happens with the formula Heart and Body Extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins, minerals, amino acids, enzymes, and phytonutrients so, so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balancing the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and Body Extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com Ladies and gentlemen, the truth, the solution is laying right there in front of you, hidden in plain view. Please listen to me in the next 60 seconds. If you go to Wikipedia, it has links to the UN Zone website where they admit the number one cause of cognitive disability in the world is iodine deficiency. The number one preventable cause of intellectual disability is lack of real pure iodine in the body as they bomb us with the bad halogens, bromide, bromide, chlorine, and so much more. Upwards of 2 billion people in a Lancet Medical Journal study in 2007, worldwide have cognitive disabilities because they don't have high-quality iodine. Most iodine is bound to other elements. You don't absorb it. We have X3, all three types of the good iodine together that supercharges your body. X3 is now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. It's being sold out for over six months for 25% off. X3, back in stock. Take action now. InfoWarsStore.com. Back here with you on The Alex Jones Show. I'm Kate Daly from KateDalyRadio.com. So glad to be with you. I'm bringing up a lot of questions. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about some things. I don't know. Certainly are too many questions to ask, though. It is very interesting when we get to anonymous mass anything or the staged events of history, possibly, that you're not allowed to ask any questions when obvious questions come up out of respect for the victims. But if you're a single victim of a crime, then you can go to court and then it's only justice <laughs> that where the truth can prevail and you can finally find out what happened to your loved one in court. But if you're in another type of accident, you know, not accident, but uh, shooting, it's not possible to ask questions. I always find that a little weird, don't you? Strange. So let me talk about Waco for just a, another moment because I think maybe if we could shift some perspective to see this in a different light. And I know that this might infuriate people, right? That's okay. It's okay to think. 
It's okay. To, it's okay to think. So they didn't see him as a danger, but they wanted to just watch him for a very short period of time. You know, when they went in to get Warren Jeffs, that took years in the making, years in the making to finally realize what was going on in his religious group. Okay. And this was very quick in a year. Very strange that you would have this happen that quickly. Very strange that you would have a whistleblower from the Branch Davidians. Was this a Fed? One might think so. One might ask that question. Um, whistleblow right directly to the BATF. Strange. I was Little Rock involved. I don't know. Did Clinton have something to do with that? They owe him something? Why were his bodyguards involved in BAF, BATF agents, right? Doesn't make any sense that they were on site. And there was a fire and nobody, there were no autopsies. People were burned up. The one guy that was killed that was a Branch Davidian was quickly cremated. Family not allowed to see the body. That's kind of strange. That doesn't happen really. Not in, just doesn't happen. The plausibility of all of it, very, very strange. So then there's no autopsies, okay? No way to really go after the truth in that. So that's kind of different. And it was broadcast. They wanted to make sure that everyone saw what was going down. Now, we all know that what the feds can do. We're all really aware of how the feds can demonize and their, their role in entrapping. Most of their job seems to be kind of an entrapment arm now. And so, and I say that because uh, they were found to have the, the most child porn sites on the dark web, right? Um, owned by them, monitored by them to entrap, okay? I get when people do things wrong. Who, not, who doesn't want to see somebody, you know, the child porn guys go to prison forever or castrated or whatever. But it is strange that the entrapping thing is a big deal. But this was pretty obvious because the feds went in and were, you know, basically annihilating the people in Waco. But why would they want to show you that? Was that the truth Janet Reno was talking about? Possibly, possibly. Who knows? But that was really strange. It was the beginning of really establishing the Department of Homeland Security that would come in 2003. The fake need for this agency to exist with no authority to really exist in America. There is really no authority for Department of Homeland Security federally. Okay, every state can take care of their piece of the land. So no reason for them to exist. But between this and Oklahoma, by the way, Timothy McVeigh was on site, right? For Waco? He was on site, not part of the Waco. I mean, not part of the uh, Branch Davidians, but on the other side, right? Very strange. And we all know Oklahoma. There's too many questions about Oklahoma. But here's the deal though. Um, this article that came out in mainstream said one Department of Homeland Security official put the modern day militia movement owes its existence to Waco. That's really strange. The Davidians, I guess, hung a bedsheet from the window that said Rodney King, we understand. They were into political messages too? Really? Does that seem a little strange to you? I don't know. It just seemed strange to me. Very strange, actually. A little too strange, right? The probability of this, you know, how many times have you seen a religious commune of about 100 uh, wackadoodle religious people hanging out together that are really, really weird that also happen to be a militia group? I don't remember the last time I drove by and saw that. Do you? I mean, if Waco, if this was happening more and more and they had to develop a Department of Homeland Security, not only for 9-11, and let's not even go there, but also because of Waco, 
wouldn't you see these groups pop up all the time? Wouldn't this be something that we would see, like the plausibility of these action groups? Warren Jeff's group wasn't even a militia group, just a religious group, a religious weird group, right? Okay, under his control. So I found that to be a little strange. The Department, the Alcohol uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Firearms, uh, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives was founded in the late 1800s, and it was a branch of the Treasury Department. But after this Waco event, they moved it under the Department of Justice. Why? That was weird because it was under the Homeland Security Act. Very strange. Okay, there's too many weird things. Undercover agents galore. Um, They had over 500 agents, some say 800 agents on site. That's a little weird too. Why so many? Why would you need that many people for such a tiny group? Makes no sense. Some people will argue, well, it was training exercise, right? Who knows? But that seems like a, a huge amount. They wanted the presence to be known. They wanted this event to be known. And they wanted you to think militia groups were on the rise and that they were dangerous, of course, which we know that people in militias are actually really mostly good patriotic people that care about their country that know and can read, obviously, the Second Amendment and the founders as to why they wanted to make sure that the people could defend themselves against what? Not just somebody coming in to to hurt them, but their government, right? So everyone can understand that. Okay. The land was just taken over, cremations, no bodies observed, bogus investigations, well-funded. One of the things that's really, I think, something very interesting to key key in on is how these things are funded because they don't make sense. They don't make sense. Warren Jeffs had a bunch of people who were contributing with their jobs in the outside community to help with the money so that you could see. But on this, there was never an explanation as to far as where the money came from to buy the land, to take this over, to do all these things. Seems a little more orchestrated for the entire event, does it not? I think that these things, when you don't have the plausibility level, and like I, like I stated before, if you have somebody going in and shooting up anonymous people for no reason, I'm sorry, but you can't just say bad mental health. That doesn't work because it doesn't go along with the nature of man. When you go back into history and you look at all the mass school shootings, and really they weren't mass, right? Because in history, they were always targeted. It was for one person only or outside the school boundaries, one entity. And that was included in those numbers. It was very, very rare. And you can't even blame video games at this point. Video games doesn't make you get up and shoot a bunch of anonymous people because it doesn't happen. People used to bring guns to school for Pete's sakes. We had target practice (laughs) utilizing weaponry at school and you didn't have those kinds of things happen. But I don't blame mental illness and video games. I think these things are more staged and I think it's convenient to blame mental illness and video games for these things. I do. I think it's very convenient because you can blame the culture, but still going up and shooting up anonymous people isn't as plausible as you think it is. And really, there should be much more events happen targeted if that's the case. I'll be right back. I have more, more questions, of course, on the Alex Jones show. Shouldn't we be questioning everything?
Antelope Hill is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grel in Exile, by Jose Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de Grel's life before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post-war exile in Franco's Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first-hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness, despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers. He stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. De Grel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader. Get Leon de Grel in exile today at antelopehillpublishing.com. Don't even know you can get the canister now. Get the all new Turbo Force Plus at InfoWarsStore.com. Now it's shareable.
Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. I'm Kate Daly, your guest host from katedalyradio.com, The Kate Daly Show. I'm so glad to be here with you because, look, you can always ask questions, right? Questions never hurt anybody. And I always want to see things from different vantage points. I like the challenge, personally. I really do. Because it makes me think. And our narratives are so strong that sometimes we pick and choose which narratives we want to look at. And sometimes I think maybe that does a disservice to us. Maybe we ought to look at everything. Question everything. And then see what sticks, right? And then see what, what has the, the, the plausibility factor big time. There was a huge um, event, right, last week about Russia threatening nuclear revenge. And in December, we heard he was readying the nukes. I mean, not just looking at nukes, but readying the nukes, you know, to come after us. And a lot of people thought within a couple of days, everything was going to be nuked. And I said, no, I said, they love this threat. This threat is, it, it grabs headlines, there's fear, the boogeyman, woo, you know, and they've been doing this for 80 years, okay, 70 years. And so what was interesting about it, though, was I had just read a piece questioning the uh, Trinity. Trinity was the nuclear weapon test, right, for the Manhattan Project before the detonation of the bomb. Well, Japan had already surrendered. There was never really a reason to drop that bomb. So why did they? In fact, they surrendered twice, I do believe. Okay. So there was never a reason for it. So why did they do it? That's an interesting question because there had to have been a much bigger reason to drop a bomb when somebody already surrenders. And they're using this over and over again. I could go back to 1980 headlines right now that would tell you the exact same thing. Oh, the nukes are readying. We're about to get nuked. Everything was about nuclear warfare. And it always has been, right? That's why we made North Korea the enemy. We'd put them on the stage. I, I can just picture like a clown dancing on stage. You know, when you bring out the next enemy, <laughs> you say they're going to nuke us. We could, we could take out North Korea in two seconds. I mean, it was ridiculous, but people believed it, right? So this was kind of interesting. We have this new movie, Oppenheimer, coming out. And whenever I see a movie that is sort of highlighting, if you will, the narratives of our time, and they love to do this, okay? You'll always see the movies backing it up, right? You'll always see a dramatic movie to get the emotion behind it on the Manhattan Project and the atomic bomb. And so when I see a movie, I'm always a little intrigued to go look at the events from another perspective to see maybe what we were lied about, <laughs> what, what they lied to us about, okay? Trinity, and maybe they didn't. I just want to bring this up because I think it's worthy of a question. Uh, Trinity was the code name for the first detonation of the, of the nuclear weapon. And it was conducted by the United States Army as part of the Manhattan Project, July 16th, over the summer in 1945 in New Mexico, Socorro, New Mexico. And this was on, uh, it's now part of the White Sands Missile Range. And the only structures originally in the vicinity were the McDonald Ranch House and some buildings, which the scientists used as a laboratory for testing bombs. And the base camp was constructed and there were about 425 people present on the weekend of the test. And the code name Trinity was assigned to Oppenheimer. But really, the guy really behind all of this that's never truly mentioned was Vannevar Bush. He was a guy that was in policy. He had the presidency or he had a ton of power. Remember Valerie from Iran that had all the power in Obama's regime? Okay, so the little whisper, the ear whisper. Okay, this was the same kind of thing. Vannevar Bush um, was this guy at this time. And he was the one that orchestrated the whole Manhattan Project 
and Oppenheimer to do this. But oddly enough, the movie's about Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, however you want to say it. You know, I'm the name murderer, so whatever. Anyway, get over it. <laughs> so the test was an implosion design plutonium device named the Gadget. And the same design as the Fat Man bomb later uh, de detonated over Japan. And then, of course, um, the complexity of the design. This was going to be the first nuclear test ever, okay? It was directed by Kenneth Bainbridge. Also, um, in this same thing, right, they said the rise of the fascist governments in, in Europe led to a fear of the German nuclear weapon project, especially among scientists who were refugees of Nazi Germany and other countries and so forth. And so this was the reason they put out in order to get the funding and the okay to do all of this. Okay. So Julian Mack and Berlin Brixner were responsible for photography. The photography and group employed some 50 different cameras taking motion and still photographs. Okay. They had special fast ax cameras. Now we all know that many companies, I'll say this lightly, many companies that dealt with cameras and such were CIA ops. But I just want to throw that out there because we know this now. Okay. So they were taking these photographs, but wouldn't you know that only one photograph actually came into fruition? Only one faraway photograph by one obscure person named Jack Aby actually got a picture of it? And did you know, and it's kind of blurry and it's off, but did you know this, that the only picture um, that was ever taken that was actually well exposed, they had all these cameras, they knew what they were, they, they knew what they were blowing up, right? But then they couldn't get a good shot of it. But just the one guy had one picture. They wanted his negative. They handed the negative over and the negative doesn't even exist today. It's kind of like the moon with NASA, not one single document about how we got there or what we were doing ever showed up again and was lost because somebody lost the key or I don't know what happened to the storage unit somewhere off somewhere, Washington, D.C. that it was stored, who knows, uh, Maryland. Anyway, the only negative of this photo was lost. Man, the only negative of the, nu the, the nuclear test that would set off the nuclear program was lost? Gosh, so weird. It's strange. Anyway, all right. So here's the question, and this was written by Russ Winter just lately, and I love this, so hat tip to him. Was Hiroshima firebombed and not nuked at the time? This is a really, really good question because I want to read to you the testimony of U.S. Major Alexander Seversky, who died in 1945, coincidentally. Died right after this, right after he said this inspected the um, bombed towns of Japan. And this is what he said. In Hiroshima, I was prepared for radically different sites, but to my surprise, Hiroshima looked exactly like all the other burned out cities in Japan. There was a familiar pink blot about two miles in diameter. It was dotted with charred trees and telephone poles. And one of the only cities, 20 bridges was down. Only one of the bridges was, only one of the city's bridges was down. It's weird. Usually it just decimates everything, doesn't it? So we were told anyway, Hiroshima's clusters of modern buildings in the downtown section stood upright, he said. It was obvious that the blast could not have been so powerful as we'd been led to believe. It was an extensive blast rather than intensive. Think about that. It was an extensive blast rather than an intensive blast. I had heard buildings constantly consumed by unprecedented heat, yet there were, I saw buildings structurally intact. And what is more, topped by undamaged flagpoles, lightning rods, painted railings, air raid uh, precaution signs. 
and fragile objects that were just standing there. Hmm, they weren't decimated? At the T-Bridge, he said, the aiming point for the atomic bomb, I looked for the bald spot where everyone presumably had been vaporized in the twinkling, twinkling of an eye, but it wasn't there anywhere else. I could find no traces of unusual phenomena. Strange. What did I see in substance, uh, a replica, um, or the Tokyo suburbs, Yokohama, or Osaka? The familiar residue of an area of wood and brick houses uh, raised by uncontrollable fire, he said. Everywhere I saw the trunks of charred and leafless trees burned and unburned chunks of wood. The fire had been intense enough to bend and twist steel grinders, yet to melt glass until it ran like lava, just as in other Japanese cities he had seen, where they were firebombed. The concrete buildings nearest to the center of explosion, only a few blocks from the heart of the atom blast, showed no structural damage. Even cornices, canopies, delicate exterior decorations were intact. Window glass was shattered. But of course, the single panel frames held firm. Only window frames and two or more panels were bent and buckled. And the blast impact, therefore, could not have been unusual. And this event was not unusual. But he expected to see it, just didn't see it. And oddly enough, the victims were flown over here right away for care in our army hospitals. Strange, right? I thought that uh, U.S. Major Alexander, uh, I should say D. Seversky, I thought his words were interesting, don't you? Somebody that was there, that saw it, that had these thoughts. Very, very strange. Something to look at, something to keep in mind. Think about narratives. Hmm, I'll be right back on The Alex Jones Show. I'm Kate Daly, your guest host. Listen, do you hear that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing to the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And we will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, theamericanfreedomparty.us. You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com Please give me one minute of your time. Please write this down and please go look this up. It will change your life. The UN admits, and the Lancet Medical Journal admits, that upwards of 2 billion people have mental disabilities and declining cognitive abilities. The term they use is intellectual disability because of lack of iodine. Most iodine in the environment is bound to other elements so your body can't absorb it. Only pure iodine can really be absorbed right into the cells. And InfoWarsStore.com has the only iodine out there that actually has this type of full effect. Ladies and gentlemen, X3's been sold out for six months. It's very hard to produce, and it's finally back in stock. 
fact, I was just taking some before I shot this ad. This, ladies and gentlemen, is powerful. You and your family need it. It's 25% off back in stock. X3, try iodine exclusively at InfoWarsTore.com. Take action now, but regardless, research this info. Back here with you on the Alex Jones Show. I'm Kate Daly from KateDalyRadio.com. Good to be with you. As we sum this up, I want to bring up just some points I've been thinking about, okay? We know that these people are full of narratives, okay? And I'm sure that we have weapons of destruction. There's no doubt in my mind. What do you think they've been working on and have black budgets for? Many black budgets we know nothing about. That's why they're called black. And obviously, we know DARPA, all the agencies have been really hard at work at developing things. But sometimes I wonder if maybe, just maybe, and I know this is very controversial, so whatever, <laughs> get over it. Just think about it for just a moment. What if the nukes are disinformation to the things that they actually have? Things that maybe they could blame on something else in the future. Maybe even aliens, who knows? Because that seems to be the card they want to play. And, the, and the, the stuff that they've come up with, they'll blame it on, on aliens so that we, we can't counter it, right? So we don't have any action against it. So we can't do anything about it. And I, so I have to wonder because... Let me give you a couple more points of interest on this because I know how controversial this is going to be. I know that brains might be exploding right now out there because we don't really question this, do we? Okay. But in Liddell Hart's second, uh, History of the Second World War, they claimed that the Japanese on the ground didn't even know they'd been A-bombed till long after the war. How would you not know? Allied occupation authorities also clamped down on eyewitness testimonies. Testimonies that did come out often had a scripted, deceptive quality to them. I'm thinking 9-11 too. Same kind of thing, right? The accounts themselves have been describing a napalm bombing, but then suggestive phrases are inserted into the narratives like strange yellow ray and sun ray. There are also, and it is kind of strange to have multiple people describe it in that way, right? There are also accounts of a single B-29 flying over um, and flying over at 32,000 feet, and the bomber would not be visible from the ground, nor would a, a small fleet, okay? But however, there was a, um, a father, um, a, uh, a clerical, a father, who provided, and John Seams, who provided more information to how this, was, how this went down, because he said it was rumored that the enemy flyers had spread an explosive and incendiary material over the city and then created an explosion and, ign and ignition. And a few maintained that they saw the planes drop a parachute, which had carried something that exploded at a height of a thousand meters. And no one knew anything for certain concerning the nature of the bomb. Well, that's kind of strange. Hmm. And I don't know that the father would lie about that. <laughs> he said that's what, that, was, that was the rumor. And the bombing planners drawing from their science of mass killing first spread incendiary material to prep the target. This soaked kindling that could have been lit like a match from a small high-flying fleet of B-29s. This makes it possible to destruct the target with even less than 66 aircraft and would make it highly contained and highly controllable. And then, of course, the absence, remember the cameras I mentioned at the test, the Trinity test? The absence of the mushroom cloud photos from the ground in Japan, among the very few photos of the Hiroshima bombing that do exist, and by the way, why aren't there more photos of it? You're going to drop an A-bomb, you're not going to have any pictures? Just a couple? Does that seem strange to anybody? Look at how many cameras they had set up for the test that didn't exactly work out, but still, 
they had a lot of cameras there, did they not? You wouldn't want to photograph this for all the world to see? Hmm. Because it did become the big nuke program, and then that has been used as the boogeyman ever since. Strange. I have to call strange on that. And of course, the following three suggest a raging firestorm, not a nuclear explosion. The photos appear consistent with the others shot at different you know, distances and angles. And the firestorms, which were described at Hamburg in 1943, Dresden in 1945, and other various like Japanese incinerations of 1945 look oddly similar. Was it an A-bomb or a firestorm? In the book Osada's Children of the A-bomb, a survivor described a scene that is altogether different from the A-bomb, saying, I looked up in the sky, a streamer of smoke, perhaps 50 yards high, rising from the center of Hiroshima, about two miles distant. And at the top of the column of smoke was a ball of fire, which seemed to be about the size of a large oil tank. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, so I bring you this just to think about this. Because when the people were brought over here for medical care, that was strange. They said that the um, radiation uh, exposure did not cause uh, genetic damage, which it would have. One would think 40 year study of thousands of Japanese who survived the so-called atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima, right? And there was an intense study of 70,000 offspring of the atomic bomb survivors that failed to identify an, an increase in congenital abnormalities or cancer or mutational blood protein changes or anything. And that was a 1990 study in the Journal of American Medical Association. Strange. Really strange. And I think strange enough to ask more questions about it. And maybe, uh, I don't know, there's just something that's kind of wrong with, I think, the information that we get. And so it's worthy of a look, <laughs> one, one would think. The other thing I want to end on is, uh, is something more recent. And I want to talk about public health for just a moment. Public health is a really interesting thing because in a free society, you don't need public health. The individual within a state just goes for their medical health. Am I right? You go in to see your doctor. What, what do you mean public health? It's a very, very strange thing. It was a creation, a Rockefeller creation. And the organization started in really the late 1800s, but early 1900s is really when they put themselves on the map based on a lie. They had to, because how do you construct public health when it's not necessary? So they said they solved or ended hookworm. Hookworm was like 400,000 people in the entire United States down in the South. Hookworm was already being cured because the only cure was put some shoes on. Anyway, that's easy. Um, so what they did was they became an entity worthy of money being given to it by the Rockefellers, uh, became a government entity that took some of the duties away from the country doctor at the time. And at the time, they, were, they wanted to be in charge of um, prevention. That was what the doctors were in charge of. They wanted to be in charge of all these things. And so when you think about it, we are a country of individuals that can seek out health issues individually, not in a collective manner. And public health was there to basically push shots for pharma. That's really their whole role. If there's a problem, they have a shot to solve it. Do they not? That's really what they're about. And so what's interesting about this, this is exactly why they were created for sure. But they were put out as the centrally organized arm of the, of the um, federal government that was basically the, the control mechanism. So in the emergency orders of late, you had this 
public health. Everything was blamed on the public health. The schools blame public health. The store, uh, the, the signs on the store windows about wearing a mask and all of this all ba- blamed on public health. There's public health officials now that run public health departments that are coming out and going, well, yeah, I mean, it was a minor respiratory, sorry, but no real accountability. They had website ticker clocks for the amount of so-called deaths, or I love this one, the projected death toll always, right? And the deaths they knew at the time on these death tolls on the websites of all the public health agencies in the country of, of the counties and the states were all giving the same ticker clocks and the same information. And I mean, verbatim from the CDC, the CDC was allowed to control every single one of those health departments and nobody in the health department spoke up. Nobody in the health departments contradicted the information. Only a few. I had a guy that was local that that kind of said a few things locally. I don't know, but still it was shored up by public health. They even put in their own brand of CIA agents that actually work in public health and ousted the longstanding, this is what happened in my state, ousted the longstanding public health state guy and put this new fresh CIA agent in as public health administrator, right? And so you had the CDC working through all the states. The reason I say this is because why isn't there any accountability? They were in charge of shutting down the nation, truly, because everybody blamed them. And they didn't exactly say they had questions. They didn't say, well, you should think about this first or maybe, maybe not, or geez, it looks like a cold or flu or whatever. They went along with the lie, not only went along, but advertised the, the, the lie. And then of course would show up and talk about the big danger. Did it make them feel important? Is that why they did it? Did it make them feel like they had the world stage? The only way we're gonna solve the next time they get away with doing this <laughs> or they try to is to fight this in every single county in America, start to make them have the accountability for what they lied about, what they did when they knew they didn't have any proof because they all know that car accidents and cancer and Alzheimer's were all chucked, chalked up as COVID deaths and they did nothing to tell you the truth. And if you go county by county, public health department by public health department, and people actually sued their public health departments. Can you even imagine what would happen? Can you even imagine the fact that we could take down their very structural centrally organized organization? Because that's how they did it last time. Everything, even the government relied on public health to shore them up. Public health was an entity that never should have been. And the whole thing was founded on a lie for organization. I'm Kate Daly for the Alex Jones Show. Thanks for thinking with me today. (laughs) Thanks for this hour. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. The Occidental Quarterly fills a unique niche in bringing together scholarly articles on a wide range of topics that are mired in political correctness elsewhere. It is edited by Professor Kevin McDonald, who's no stranger to listeners of the political cesspool. There are quite a few reasons for the precarious state of our civilization and our people. But one of the main ones is that we have lost the intellectual and moral high ground to a cultural elite that is hostile to our people and our culture. Those of us who are politically aware must understand that the elites dominating culture and the political process in the West are intellectually and morally bankrupt. TOQ is the key. Digital download subscriptions are only $30 a year. Subscriptions by first-class mail are only $60 a year. Go to toqonline.com and click on subscribe now. In addition to receiving fascinating and informative articles, you will also be supporting the work of scholars who are part of a community defending our people and our culture with the highest level of integrity and intellectual sophistication. That's toqonline.com. Subscribe now. 
You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. Watch the American Journal weekday mornings, 8 to 11 Central at band.video. Live from the Infowars.com studios, it's Alex Jones. The silent majority is no longer silent. This is the War Room with Owen Schroyer. So Gen Z workers are not going to be faring too well in the workplace, and that doesn't spell good for us in the future. One thing I could recommend is I think we need to get some of these Gen Zers on TurboForce, which you can get at InfoWarsStore.com. Didn't see the plug coming, did you? But here it is, TurboForce from InfoWars Life. 25% off. It's back. It's reformulated. It's in a canister so you can scoop out as much as you need. You want a full scoop? You want a heaping scoop? You want half a scoop? You can get it all now by just going to InfoWarsStore.com and ordering TurboForce. More strength, more power, more energy when you need it, and it's long-lasting. It's got vitamin C. It's got niacin, B6, taurine, beta-alanine, acetyl-L-carnitine, L-theanine, green leaf extract, coffee berry, guarna seed extract, herba mate, and Aleva ATP are just some of the ingredients packed into TurboForce. It's in a powder form. It's in a canister. You saw the commercial earlier. People were fighting over the last little bag. They don't even know. We got it now in a canister. So go to InfoWarsStore.com and pick up your TurboForce. I don't know what you're waiting for. And that's my really my only plug today. I feel bad. I forgot to do it all throughout because we had so much information going on in an amazing interview. But we got another amazing interview, InfoWarsStore.com, and support what we're doing. It's you out there that fuel the jet engines that keep this whole thing twirling about. It's been said that my people perish for lack of knowledge. When Christ said that, we know it's totally true. Knowledge is power. It's also been said that God helps those that help themselves. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to help yourself and help your family and help your community. If you research the iodine conspiracy and discover that in the U.S. and in China and many other countries, IQs were dropping, deformities were exploding, the 20s and 30s and 40s, so the governments put iodine in the food. Not high-quality iodine, it was still bound iodine to other elements. It was really cheap iodine, but it boosted IQs, knocked out the infertility, really did great things to stop a lot of the mutations. Uh, and deformities. Look it up for yourself. Just look up the iodine deficiency on Wikipedia, and it's got all the links to the UN, the Lancet Medical Journal, everything, about the number one cause of cognitive disability in the world, the number one cause of intellectual disability, the number one cause of all these different health problems is lack of iodine, and how these bad halogens that counter and block iodine are purposely put in the food and water. They even admit that here. And then we wonder why people are so dumb and why society is falling apart all around us. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have the cleanest, best, highest quality iodine. We have all three types, the nascent, deep earth crystal, pure atomic iodine, and then two other types that help synergistically boost that according to the experts that we did the research with. This product's been sold out for more than six months, but it's finally back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com or call toll-free 888 But whatever you do, Please look into the iodine deficiency. Please research it for yourself. And please find out how important it is. Because no one else has this iodine that we have. But some Himalayan salts 
that are billions of years old do actually have the triiodine in it. So wherever you get it, get it now. Listen, do you hear that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing to the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And we will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, theamericanfreedomparty.us. You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.